You're listening to the Lawn and Landscape Radio Network. Today, we've got a sponsored podcast for you in collaboration with Pioneer, and we dive into a whole bunch of things. Specifically, I talked with the company's vice president about how the supplier owns its own fleet of trucks and how that's made life easier for you, the contractor. We also talked about the company's new mobile app and the company's national footprint beyond their markets in Colorado and Arizona. We even talked about something incredibly familiar to everyone right now, especially in the green industry, fuel prices and the labor shortage. Craig, for our listeners, kind of introduce yourself. Tell me a little bit about what it is you do with Pioneer and you know how long you've been there and your journey with the company. Just to give, a, I guess, a short bi- a little biography, if you will. Perfect. Um, so Craig Muck, I'm vice president of Pioneer. I currently oversee the operations of the 34 retail stores along with fleet and transportation. I've been with the company 18 years on March 15th. Okay, very cool. Started off in uh, a retail store as a sales associate, spent some time moving up, worked in procurement for a while, marketing for a while, and then kind of got back to the sales and operations piece that's near and dear to my heart. Very cool. A little bit of a a jack of all trades, I guess. Um, How have you seen Pioneer evolve over time? Well, evolution has come with a few, well, there's been pains in the evolution and there's been good things. So as we've grown and evolved, volumes and top line have grown significantly in the last five to seven years. So with that, you run into struggles with fleet operations and other procurement operations that kind of evolve with procuring and delivering on time there's a whole cycle that has to happen. And when you grow that rapidly, you have to kind of get those operations to catch up with the ball. So that's the main kind of piece I've seen. And the demand and the, the, the change in the economy over the last five years has been tremendous to the building material industry. So we've been able to pivot and grow with that in a way without being too far behind the curve, which is kind of beneficial to some of the, you know, Owning our own fleet and our stores and quarries and things like that has given us the leverage to do so. Now, I wanted to ask you a little bit about owning your own fleet, right? Like, I, I can only imagine how critical that is to ensuring these materials arrive on time. And, and like you said, that's a huge piece of, of today's economy. Absolutely. And that's, that's kind of our mantra of customer service. I look at it as three pillars, right? Best service at the store level at the associate level, available product and on time. Those three pillars kind of separate us from anyone else in the industry. What are what are some of the roadblocks, I guess, to starting to create your own fleet? Like, how do you get from point A to point B um, where you guys, it sounds like you have 200 plus vehicles in your fleet. Yeah, we have just over 200 vehicles in the fleet across both states. Starting your own fleet is interesting because it's all about the right trucks, the right assets in the right place. Every store we have, 34 locations, sit in a different demographic market, which require a different asset to service that market. So truly understanding the market you're serving and the demand in that area determines you get the correct asset. 
Can you give me an example, like what would be a demographic in an area where, you know, you have a certain type of vehicle versus another demographic where you have another type of vehicle? Perfect example is the, we just recently expanded our fleet and we got what we call small trucks, right? They are up to five and a half ton non-CDL required truck that service a demographic that is an established marketplace. By established, I mean homes that have been built for 15, 20 plus years. And it's not complete, you know, it's more maintenance of landscape versus a new build complete landscape, which would require a larger truck that carries 15 ton because it requires more for the job. So we've stationed those trucks around where you know, those smaller jobs are required because you're not doing a whole new landscape. You're just doing refresh and you need five ton of rock versus 10. So it gets me a less expensive truck to operate that can do a higher volume of turns per day. And I get to kind of hurdle the challenge of finding CDL drivers. How did you... I guess, get to the, like, when did you start the process of creating this fleet and about how long do you think somebody should expect, you know, before they actually have a, a really fully operational fleet? Well, I think Pioneer did it back. We'll credit uh, the old owners of Pioneer, Gary Schnur. He started Pioneer with us. It was the fleet first. It was the trucking company that then branched into, once the trucks, the fleet grew, and you realize that if you domicile them as retail stores, then it gets it, it's more it makes more sense. Versus stocking the competitor, you're now stocking your own stores. So how we did it is started with the fleet and then expanded our retail stores. We've always kind of looked at Pioneer as a trucking company that has stores. So Craig, the number one thing that comes up in our industry, regardless of what we're talking about whether it's fleets or simple day-to-day operations of the landscape contractor um, is kind of, it's, it's twofold, right? We talk about the labor shortage and we talk about fuel prices. Kind of tell me specifically with each of those, how you guys have been able to navigate both of those huge challenges to our industry. So a two-part answer there. We'll start with labor shortages. Uh, skilled labor and some industries and some specific skills is a, a kind of a dying month. It's hard to find uh, CDL drivers. Um, I mean, just like masons, for example, in this industry, it's hard to find a qualified mason. But for us, it's the drivers. So we've looked at it twofold. We have to keep evolving and looking at our you know, benefits and our pay opportunities as the market continues to inflate. We can make sure we're in market, which is almost a biannual evaluation of making sure we're paying within market just because how rapidly wages continue to grow in that segment. And then the other opportunity, which is kind of cool, is I spoke earlier about the small trucks. So the small truck drivers typically come in and they have to start somewhere and get some type of road experience. But their end goal is to get a CDL and get into a tandem or a semi or go over the road with you know, a larger logistics company, whatever the case may be. That's a significant investment for someone trying to get their CDL. It can cost anywhere from six to $8,000 to go through the school. During the classes or during school, you typically can't work unless you have some type of night job. 
which isn't a driving job. So it's very difficult. You have to invest the time with no income in order to get your seat. So we've actually just recently stood up a driving school, which allows us to bring in a standard licensed driver, put them in the small truck. While they're getting the road experience and the operational experience of dump beds that they can attend our driver's and that's a you know few month process they can do they're earning their hours while they're working for us and then they'll get certified which will then get them their cdl and then we can promote them and move them into the larger trucks where they can make those higher wages so on and so forth so it's kind of unique we've been able to do that it gives us kind of i think a leg up on in the market for recruitment, which helps. And then on the other answer, as far as fuel increases and inflation on other things, that one is probably a monthly evaluation for Pioneer. I mean, in the previous week, diesel fuel went up 75 cents a gallon in one week. So that requires a weekly meeting on that to see how much we're recovering, how much can we absorb, how much can we pass on to customer how much can the market bear so there's a lot of pieces that go into those decisions you'd like to say that you can just pass it all on to the customer and say our increases are your increases but unfortunately in the building materials industry that's not always the case so there is a factor of how much can we absorb how much can i pass on how can i get through you know how can i make it up through other efficiencies so that's Quite a bit of work that goes into that one. I wish that one was a little easier than it sounds, but uh, what goes up must come down, right? So I'm crossing my fingers that fuel will eventually come back down. <laughs> um, Craig, I, I feel like I, I gave you two very difficult questions to ask in, in one question. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit um, to you know the, the driver school that you guys have established. Um, about lo- how long have you guys had that and have you seen some form of, I guess, uh, let me rephrase the question. Um, how long have you guys had that? And about how many drivers have you had, you know, go from the start of it to receiving their CDL? Good question. Um, very new program for us. Uh, we started developing it about six, six months ago. And we've got it to the point where we'll actually have our first students start going through within the next two so it has drawn interest in the recruiting platform and during our recruitment process. So we've seen the traction there, which is really encouraging. Um, and as far as completion of the course, we just have our first students starting here, here soon. So okay. hopefully that, that goes sense. well and we can get them moving along and get them through it. And we'll yield the results we're looking for. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, I, I guess in terms of using it as a recruitment tool, is it a matter of simply kind of showing a, a career ladder, a, a way of getting promoted, way of making more money and staying with the same company at the same time? Absolutely. I think at the end of the day, nobody likes to job. People job hop because there are various reasons that they feel they're underpaid or there's more opportunity somewhere else. If you can give them a fair market value wage and a career path, I think that that security is what most people want. So that's kind of what the the, the driver school is the career path. And we take that serious, not just on the drivers, you know, driver recruitment and our fleet, but all throughout the business, making sure when and where we have the opportunity to career path someone 
and get them to the next level, prepare them for the next level. We'll jump on that as much as we can. You know, nobody likes the job hunt, right? So how do you communicate that, you know, what you guys are doing is unique and special and would give them a way forward where they wouldn't have to continually job hunt? I mean, we have full-time recruiters that are constantly reaching out to, you know, people attending driving schools that need work. Um, I have internal candidates that want to become drivers. They currently work at my stores as motor operators and we'll recruit them into the, you know, driver school and get them going. And we have, you know, pretty wide network, you know, the Colorado and Arizona trucking industry. And one of the largest competitors of mine in both markets are kind of independently owned either trucking companies, which have anywhere from 10 to maybe 20 trucks, or a small competitor on the size of the retail store with trucks. And we're able to when and where the opportunity is appropriate. We don't go around calling competitors, drivers, and try to recruit them. That's unethical. But when and where there's an opportunity or a platform to discuss it, business of our scale, there's the growth opportunity that we provide. So the ultimate goal, I think, for a driver is to start in a smaller truck because you have to get the experience. Anywhere you go, that's typically the case. Once you get the road experience, the dump bed experience, then you can move on to a, a Katana, a larger truck, and then you end up in the semi. So semis, 53-foot trailers, those are your highest paid you know, positions within the industry. So that, I believe that's the ultimate goal for most people. And our goal is to get them there. And you know, recruiting, the current, I think our current semi-drivers, it's, it's a pretty long tenure, average tenure for our drivers. They've been with, I have some Semi-drivers were around 23, 24 years. Wow. So once we get them to that stage, we get the career path to that stage, we know they're going to, you know, they're going to be with us. Yeah. Um, so just kind of jumping ahead uh, again, sorry for lumping two questions in one earlier, but, oh, you're good. Uh, <laughs> <All> good. <laughs> um, you know, jumping ahead back over to fuel costs and, and passing that down to the consumer. Um, right. I, I think that is, you know, even, even with landscaped contractors who are having supply chain issues and needing to pass down some of the material costs down to their clients, it's a really difficult conversation. So how have you guys handled that um, in terms of approaching somebody and saying, hey, it's no secret that this is more expensive. Here's what we're going to do. So the unique situation is right now, it's probably easier than ever to have a conversation because you're seeing it across the entire market, not just building materials. You see it at the grocery store. You, the consumer sees it at the gas pump. So it's not something that we're just seeing. So it's almost become, it's a natural conversation to have at the moment. But what we try to get across to our customers, because my con, I think I feel like my conversation with the contractor is probably a little easier than the conversation they're going to have to have with the end user. So going back to what I said earlier, I do try to absorb as much of it as we can, and not pass the entire increase down the down to the contractor. That is again a harder conversation for them to have. So there's different things that we can do and have, as I said, gain efficiencies different ways, and find ways to recover price of fuel increase without actually just jacking up the fuel price. 
it is a partnership with the contract. And I know, you know, maybe I absorb it now or a portion of it and we pass it along down the track. We just try to make it to where we can take the brunt of it for our contractors. And then, I mean, everyone has their limits. We can take so much, but then we'll pass the rest along and make, try to make their conversations with end user loans. Now, when you're talking about finding new efficiencies and finding ways to absorb some of these costs, are you primarily referencing like route density or what are some of the ways that you're kind of taking the hit on that as much as you can? Well, there's route planning, um, which I increase on a fleet of trucks, 200 plus, if I can get one more turn a day out of a hundred of those trucks, that equates to, you know, several million dollars in profitability. So there's efficiencies on that side. There's also efficiencies that we're constantly looking at is where do I open new stores? So Every store is a life cycle. They're open for so long, and then you're constantly monitoring when that store closes and what's the new market when you put a new store. So if I have, when I talk about new markets, where am I sending trucks to a lot, eating up their terms and eating up their efficiency because I don't have a store there. So I can look at areas where I can open a new store, which is relatively, you know, we can run it pretty inexpensively open up a new store and get it done depending on county and city we're dealing with six months to a year, get it standard. At that point, I domicile stores, uh, trucks there, and I increase the terms because I'm servicing a market where I previously didn't have a supply. So I feel like I have you know opportunity to increase efficiency through all types of things like that, which ultimately trickle down to the end user, our contractor, their customer, and improve their efficiency, hopefully. Craig, before I transition to, um, you know, talking a little bit about the app and, and uh, you know, how you have a regional footprint, um, but also a national one, um, I want to make sure that I've asked everything that you think I should know for this podcast regarding the fleet. Um, you know, is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that, you know, you think that somebody listening to this podcast should know? I mean, one of the main things we've done over the last 18 months was develop and build kind of from the ground up our own route planner transportation management system. So that has increased our efficiencies tenfold. And I've seen on semis, our average turns go from 2.46 to almost four turns per day. And that's just based off of, you know, Geotab and other Descartes that's built into there and Sigic, all these route planning and directional services that are out there already designed for what we do, built into one system that goes straight into our point of sale, auto scheduling, auto routing, back end optimization. So schedules move throughout the day. And that there, we've seen tremendous increase in efficiency. That's probably our largest accomplishment over the last 18 months was the building that. Why did you guys decide to build that from the ground up? So when you look at a transportation management system, all the ones that are out there, there's a lot of great ones out there on the market that are pre-built, you get it out of the box. They all cater a little bit towards kind of large warehouse stocking. So as to where you have a semi show up to a warehouse or a Home Depot, there's thousands of widgets on that truck that are stocking shelves. We have one widget on our truck. We have one product. So... A lot of those route planning and 
replenishment systems and all that aren't designed to do what we do. Because when you look at a semi truck and you're looking at the cost per hour, $120 an hour to run fuel, and you say you get one item on that truck, scared, right? It's hard to plan because you have to move a lot of stuff and you have to do it very efficiently to make money. So that's why we had to kind of build what we needed and look at what our business needs and the desires of our business and build it around that versus buy a very expensive out of the box and then try to kind of Frankenstein it to what we, we need. So that was kind of the, that was the, that was the main impetus behind building it from scratch. It took a little longer. Um, but I think I know at the end of the day, it was the right thing to do. All the whiteboarding sessions and all I don't miss, but at the end of the day, I think it was the right, it was the right way to go. Cause we were able to build something that's designed specifically for our industry. Speaking of something else you guys have specifically built over at Pioneer is, is the app. Um, tell me a little bit about what type of efficiencies that would add for your landscape contractors. So building the app, yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. Um, it's a good point. We built the app to kind of cater to our contractors. I service a very wide range of contractors. We have large municipalities. We have pretty good-sized commercial contractors. A bulk of our business is serviced through the stores, and that's kind of owner-operator or, you know, owner with a couple crews. So they're not large landscape companies. So your owner's out there delivering product to your job site. He's on the move. He's out there part of the crew. And the app is going to give them an opportunity to kind of streamline the process of ordering. It's built, homeowners can use it because homeowners are a big portion of our business during season. But this is designed for contractors who know what they want, they know what they need it, and they know where it's going. A few clicks, you go online, build an account. It's an app right on your phone. People are really accustomed to using these days. Place an order. We'll get it scheduled. We'll contact you, confirm everything. Get text messages when it's on its way. It makes it very easy for them to kind of work and manage the business at the same time. Versus, I mean, previously, I have a lot of friends being in this business for such a long time that our owner-operators, our contractor businesses, they go home at night after a long day of working in the field and they've got their list of items they have to try to get scheduled for the next day. Fortunately, everybody in our industry, we shut down about the time they go home because so our stores are open to place the order. So they're either getting up early or they're trying to do it, make phone calls while they're driving, and this is real quick, easy, few touch, few, few taps on some buttons, and you got your product order scheduled, and you can go on with your day to get that job done. Was the app born out of some feedback that you were receiving from contractors about the way that they operate on a day-to-day basis? Like you're saying, it, it's just kind of difficult for them to find the time to, to do this? Yeah, and I mean, as I said earlier, it's coming from the stores. You know, I spent 12 years in a store, managing a store. These contractors, their truck cabs office a lot. So there's stuff everywhere and the organization's tough. You might have a good, you know, organized method in your truck and the window rolls down and it all goes to blowing away. I don't know if that really happens. That's just an analogy in my head. <laughs> um, we'll roll with it. <laughs> it's, it's, on, it's, it's managing a business on the go. So, yes, speaking with contractors, seeing 
any way that we can add to our business to make their life easier and make us easier to do business with is what we've been aiming for. So I want to be the easiest to do business with, and I want to be the guys that you can rely on when you need something. And as easy as I make that for the contractor, the easier the life becomes and then we can solidify those partnerships. Yeah, it's funny. Some of this accessibility, um, I've noticed a, a, a lot of segments in the industry are kind of adapting, right? Like there are, you know, even for the end, the ultimate end user, right? Like the uh, residential clients for some of our contractors, they're able to order services um, on the go, like almost like a like an Uber for lawn, right? Um, so I guess, is that kind of the same mentality you guys are going for is, just this increased accessibility, um, you know, of, of ordering stuff on the go. Hundred percent. I don't want contractors to feel limited on ways they can do business with us. I want to make it convenient for them to where they can access and we can be available whenever you want. And you know, I go back to you know trade work. You're talking about recruiting of drivers. What I do see in the market, and I have seen an increase over the last couple of years, younger generations like to work for themselves. And my landscape contractors are getting younger and younger. Craig, one other thing I wanted to touch on specifically regarding Pioneer is, you know, you guys are in some sense like a regional company, right? Um, Arizona and Colorado. Um, but you have a national footprint. And I wanted to give you kind of the opportunity to talk a little bit about that and, um, you know, ways that you, ways that, you know, you guys kind of branch out beyond just the Arizona and Colorado markets. Yeah, it's a good question. We have um, we have a wholesale commercial kind of wholesale division that one of the kind of shining stars of that division is what we have, which is called Playsoft. It's a nationally recognized playground mulch. It goes through the IPMA certification, so it's certified by the by the playground institutes, and we ship that all over the country. And we, we hold most of it. We have storage yards in Colorado where we have huge piles of it and our wholesale department distributes that all throughout the country. So that's kind of one of the main focuses of that department, but there's other pieces we do. I mean, I supply flagstones and you know, other rocks, uh, other river rocks and basketed beach pebbles and things like that. We ship all over the country as well. And we're trying to expand kind of that playground mulch playground industry product given that the success behind this specific product has been for eight ten years we've been running this business and it's done really well so it's not the largest part of pioneer however i think it's one of the parts of pioneer with the largest opportunity craig i i think you know in a half hour's worth of time we've covered a fair amount of ground here. You know, we've talked a lot about uh, fleet and fleet management. We've talked about uh, the labor shortage and fuel prices. Uh, we've talked about Pioneer's new app, um, as well as your national uh, and, and regional footprint. Is there anything that we talked about or anything that we didn't talk about that you think we should expand upon for this podcast? Like, is there anything that I'm, that I'm missing here? A business of this size and growing it's always good to focus on these key elements that focus on our end user and our contractor. I mean, 
that's where our focus, our management team's focus has been over the last, really strictly over the last four months. Thanks for listening to the Lawn and Landscape Radio Network. For more information on Pioneer, visit their website at www.pioneersand.com. This was Jimmy Miller, and we'll catch you next time.